0: Hi, Jim Wilson here. Welcome to the NGBI podcast. Our guest today is Aaron Stiles from Environmental Systems Corporation. This company in my mind is one of Canada's premier clean room and specialty environment design build companies. Aaron, welcome. Thanks, Jim. If I may, I'd like to start with your life before ESC. Let's talk about who you are and where you came from. You were born in Ottawa and raised in Barrie, and your parents were both pharmacists. I'm thinking that may have left a link to what you do today.
1: Exactly. I grew up in Barrie and have lived most of my life in the Barrie area. With my parents as pharmacists, I had an early introduction to healthcare and public health, and they were actually part of that early renaissance of compounding pharmacies in the late 80s, early 90s, when compounding started to take off again and become a thing with the independent pharmacies. Had an early introduction to it and really enjoyed it. My parents instilled a passion for public health and the good that it can do in our world. That was where my first interest came from.
0: So you ended up going to Queens in Kingston, where you received a Bachelor of Applied Science in chemical engineering. Where did that first lead you and what do you remember about this time in your career?
1: Early on, I did my degree at Queens. Between third and fourth year, I worked for a summer term in Calgary for Shell Canada, uh, doing what a classical chemical engineer does, doing P&ID drawings and running calculations and simulations, and realized that really didn't enjoy that classical chemical engineering all that much, and was much more interested in interacting with people and working with teams and things like that. Finished my degree and at that point started looking for what was the best training opportunity at a large organization where I could get trained and learn about operations and business and manufacturing. General Electric at the time had a fantastic program, a technical leadership program for two years that I spent time learning about quality, manufacturing, design, and really saw all aspects of business and did a lot of training this was back in the Jack Welch days, in the height of Six Sigma and Lean Sigma, so did a Six Sigma Black Belt. It was a great training and proving ground. GE always said that they always produced more leaders than they needed, had some great training and great foundation in business and operations, and then went from there.
0: Now you lead Environmental Systems Corporation, which is an organization that was founded in 1983 by Vern Solomon, and you and your team are focused on designing and building clean room environments. For our listeners, if you could give us a 30,000 foot view of what you and your team do and why does your company exist?
1: At its most basic essence, clean rooms and critical environments and what we do are either keeping contaminants and dust and dirt and microbial contaminants out, or we're keeping hazardous substances and materials in if you're looking at oncology drugs or therapeutics or high potency suite. And the way we do that is we've got three aspects that we focus on. One is the materials of construction and the envelope of the room itself. So the ceilings, walls, and floors that we design specific to the client process. We do the HVAC and refrigeration, swell the air handling equipment to control temperature, humidity, differential pressure within those rooms to either keep it contained or to keep it clean. And then we do the controls and monitoring around that to monitor that the facility is operating in its validated state for those regulated environments in pharmaceuticals and biotech.
0: Thank you for that. If you don't mind, I appreciate you telling us about your company's journey to today and how the company start and what was the spark that created ESC?
1: ESC was started in, like you said, 1983, Vern Solomon, he started the organization as an HVAC refrigeration uh, contracting company, doing service contracts in new installations. Got into designing and building mechanical equipment for temperature control for very specific custom applications. And then in the late 90s, early 2000s, started installing clean room using other people's systems from around the world. And at that time, couldn't really find a system that had all the features that he wanted in one package and sat with his top six clients at the time and had all the different samples spread out on the boardroom table. And this was actually in one of the biotech companies here in Toronto, Hemosol, formerly TheraPure and now Resilient. They came up with the Aluma-1 wall system, which is our own wall system that we sell across North America. And that was really the first foray into clean room. And with the mechanical contracting background that allowed for greater precision around temperature and humidity and differential pressure control. And that then grew into the controls piece of providing monitoring solutions for those regulated environments. And in the last 20 years, that industry has grown significantly with a lot of the new technologies around pharmaceuticals, biotech, getting into cell and gene therapy and precision medicine in today's world, and new molecules and new therapies being discovered all the time. Everybody needs that critical environment around their process, whether they're doing research, whether they're doing early stage clinical trials or GMP production.
0: I'm interested to know what got you involved with the company.
1: My progress to ESC, I was working for Sanofi uh, previously, a large French pharmaceutical organization, and their vaccines had worked in Toronto at the uh, Connaught facility for a number of years. Been a few years working in Mexico, building flu vaccine plants in Mexico city. Coming back from Mexico was looking for a new opportunity and had always aspired to lead and run and operate my own organization. And I was looking for an opportunity to partner with someone that was looking to grow and scale their business and looking to maybe enjoy life a little more and work a little bit less. And I'd known Vern for a number of years, and I called and I said, hey, I'm interested in working with you and helping scale the business and maybe helping you free up some of your time to focus on other things. And that was where we took off from, and that was about five years ago. And since then, we've had a lot of fun working together, grown the business significantly. We just moved this past summer to a space that's four times the size of where we were. So we seem to be, be hitting it off and doing well and, and growing significantly in Canada and the U.S.
0: What's been the biggest obstacle? I mean, you've only been with the company now for a few years and just taken over the reins uh, running it, but what has been the biggest obstacle so far in your job and why does it matter?
1: The biggest obstacle, and I mean, I'm, probably everybody's going to say this, COVID was kind of a blindside, one that we couldn't anticipate in any of our risk assessments or our risk mitigation strategies. And then out of COVID is getting great people and building a great team. It's an obstacle. It's a challenge. It's not insurmountable. And we just have to keep being more and more creative around how do we attract great people? And then how do we keep them here and differentiate the experience of working with us at ESC versus working somewhere else? And how do we create that different experience? And then now today, how do we create the different experience of coming back to the office versus working remotely? We have a designer that's sitting at home all day working for eight hours on a screen. Is there a reason that they have to be in the office? What's that different experience or output or productivity they can, they can capture or generate coming to the office. So there's a reason to come in. It's not just a mandate.
0: Hmm. What's been your biggest win so far?
1: I think our biggest win is the team that we've created. I was employee number 13, five and a half years ago when I started. And now we're 55 people, quickly approaching 60 people. And it's a great team of like-minded individuals. We're passionate about what we do, and the team really has stepped up and helped us grow.
0: I'm thinking about a few things here, and we all make choices in our lives that steer us to where we are at the moment. I'm wondering if you can think of three things that you think are responsible for making ESC the organization that it is today.
1: One of the things, and this is probably the first one, is we're very passionate about creating the right culture and the right environment for people to work in. And our vision and mission statement, our tagline is creating environments for success. And when we look at that and we think about that, and this starts right from Vern and I and all the leaders at the organization, it's how do we create that success, not only for ESC, but for our team members, for our clients, for our partners and vendors that work with us, because there's room for everybody to win and be successful. So how do we create that opportunity for everybody in that right environment? And it also plays well off of what we actually do and produce and design and build. That would be one of them is creating that environment where people want to work and they're they're rewarded in a way that they feel fulfilled about what they're doing. People is a big one. The other opportunities are taking those calculated risks and swinging big. We've had some great opportunities at what we do in an adjacent industry a few years ago with the cannabis industry. We took on some big projects there that really allowed us to accelerate our growth, but there were some risks there, but, and it was a new industry and it was a pretty immature industry. It's starting to stabilize a bit now and get a little more rationalized and and people are a little more planned in terms of how they're spending their money in that industry, but that really allowed us to grow quickly. The last thing is always looking at what are the new opportunities for product or solutions that we can bring to the market. One of the things that we're looking at right now is data-driven solutions. We're traditionally a design build and a manufacturing organization. And four years ago, looking at our strategic plan, we were like, you know what, these are our hard goods, but five years from now, we're probably going to be a software company of some sort. What does that look like? And we're well onto that journey now, creating a product around monitoring, capturing data within the facilities in the regulated environment as the baseline, but then looking at how do we expand that and start capturing data on how do people use the facility? How do they move in it? With visual cameras now looking at the optics and AI solutions on it, is someone gowning properly? Are they performing the operations properly? We can start to build a more robust quality system around it and data-driven system. Looking forward, big data, we don't know what is hidden in that data, but there's going to be insights and applications for it that we haven't even thought of yet. So let's collect the data and let's start analyzing it and turning some of the machine learning algorithms loose on it and see what we can find
0: i'm watching how animated you are talking about this and it's nice to see someone who obviously loves what they do what is the favorite part of your job
1: favorite part of my job is meeting new people in in all the different industries and and the science that we get exposed to in any given week i can be talking to pharmaceutical companies in life sciences early stage r d organizations at some of the innovation hubs that we have around the country to nuclear physics, looking at particle accelerators and, you know, building clean rooms in the semiconductor space for sensors for the CERN Hydron Collider in Switzerland. So my favorite part is that variety of technology process and, and the different businesses we get to see in what we do.
0: Hmm. I'd like to take a step back and talk about the worst time in your business life and how you overcame it. Has anything come to mind?
1: And there's been lots of challenges. When I think about the worst times or the most challenging ones that have been the most uncomfortable, it's usually around cash flow and people. And the intersection of those two, and when you have to come to the point where you have to make tough decisions or you're about to have to make tough decisions if things don't work out. And there's been a few of them. One of them around generating funding for a large capital project in Mexico and trying to build a private public partnership between Sanofi, the Mexican government as partners and working through that. And you've built a team and we had built a team there to do a lot of the design work and the early stage work on the facilities. And the next round of funding, we had to secure and getting all of those different from parties and stakeholders to sign off in time without having to lay people off was was a definite challenge. And I find those ones the most difficult because it's people's lives that hang in the balance. You don't want to have to say to somebody, hey, you know what, you're going to have to go find a new job because we haven't funded the next phase or we haven't been able to secure that. Those are usually the most challenging when those two things intersect and you have to make those tough decisions.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Perhaps further to your comment, I wonder if how you've defined success since going into senior management has changed from when you first started down your business path. Do you define it the same way?
1: I think early on in my career, I mean, and I think a lot of people define success in there's a financial metric to it. Now that I'm in a more senior leadership role, I define success more as a steward of the business, regardless of whatever business I'm working in, but that stewardship of making sure the business is there today and people are successful today, and it will be here tomorrow and growing and continuing to generate success for everyone involved going forward. And I think that's changed a little bit from focusing on a personal success metric to how do we create value for more of the people involved in the business and make that long-term when i decide that i want to move on and maybe retire or do something else that the business continues without me and the team is there the mechanisms are there to continue that
0: people are often looking to you for the direction and advice what is the best piece of advice you have ever been given
1: one of the best pieces of advice and it was very early in my career it was when i left my first job at general electric to go to a new opportunity and the plant manager at the time was he had a very sharp sense of humor and He said well this challenge here in this pile of of dung isn't the one for you but the next pile of dung might be the right one and make sure you find the right one where you can be happy because there's always going to be challenges no matter where you are so pick the challenges you enjoy working on you know the grass isn't always greener it always appears greener but even when the grass is greener on the other side there's always a challenge there and there's always something to work through so
0: i was told many many years ago that the grass is greener where you water it i've carried that with me What obstacles, if any, do you see on the horizon?
1: Currently, uh, the economic environment that we're in right now is a big challenge. We've got a whole generation of people in the workforce now that have never seen significant interest rates. I mean the last 15 to 20 years, money has been relatively inexpensive in terms of interest rates. And there's a whole generation of business leaders now that have never operated in that environment with significant interest rates and and factoring the cost of money has a significant impact on their business. So I think there's going to be some learnings that happen there and probably some mistakes made as, as companies try and navigate that. The supply chain issues and that that's going to sort itself out. And we're starting to see the early stages of that now in some of the supply chains that we work in and people have adapted to that. But that new economic Model and restrictions. I don't know that we're going to get into a recession or not, but just federal banks putting the brakes on things with these higher interest rates, I think, is going to be a new environment because people haven't really operated in interest rates of seven, eight percent or when the cost of money has been that high. So that's going to make decision making it very different in the next few years.
0: Twenty twenty three is certainly going to be a transition year. Speaking of horizons, where do you think ESC is going to be in five years?
1: In five years, our goal and our vision is to be 4X the size of where we are right now in terms of revenue. And we're going to be shifting our core businesses of the design, build, of the clean rooms, the HVAC equipment, the manufacturing piece, and the controls are still going to be there. The growth is really going to come from that software and data acquisition and then the analytics piece around that. And I think that's really going to drive our growth in the next three to five years.
0: What is the next great big idea on your horizon?
1: On our horizon in this, it's that like data acquisition and analytics. There's opportunities there that we're only scratching the surface of. And I mean, everyone loves to talk about AI and gets very excited about AI. We're very much at the beginning of that. Even when we talk about AI today, I don't believe it's, it's true AI yet. I think it's a very good statistical process control and we've figured out that computers and we can write algorithms that are far better at recognizing patterns than humans are. And that's where we're at right now is this pattern recognition. I'm eager to see, you know, in 24 months and 36 months, what can we do with that pattern recognition and those algorithms that we're developing now to drive in a precision manufacturing environment like pharmaceuticals, like biotech, where right now we use two people to check and try and error proof things by using two people. Well, if we can have systems and software and camera technology moving forward, we can start to use computers and some of this data checking and machine learning to do that checking and make medicines even safer and more effective and more predictable in terms of how we produce them and the dosages and the safety and efficacy that we get to. So I think that's where the, where the power is gonna lie. We're still gonna need the facilities. We still have to put the hard goods in place. People still have to come in to work and produce things. But I think laying the technology on that is gonna be phenomenal in the next few years.
0: I would agree 100%. And my final question for those people working at startups, perhaps still in university or newly graduated, who are trying to find their path in the Canadian life sciences community. Is there any advice that you could offer to our listeners?
1: A couple of things, actually. One of them is network and talk to people and ask questions. Always be curious, always be asking questions and talking to people about What are they doing? Why are they doing it? How does that impact the world or what they're doing? And look for those connections where there may not appear to be an obvious connection because that always generates some interest or a new product or a new opportunity. Building off of that, get involved in the industry associations. I mean, in Canada, we have great industry associations. I'm going to put a a shameless plug in for ISP, the Canadian chapter, because I have been involved on that on the board. We have a lot of great manufacturing capacity within Canada in the pharma and biotech space. We've seen significant investment in that in the last few years and that's going to continue. So get involved in those industry associations so you can network, grow your network of people. And then you never know where that's going to lead because you never know who's going to be looking for somebody to come and help out on a project. Look at what we're doing today, talking about this podcast and the next great big idea. I mean, this came out through a network, which is fantastic.
0: This has been a lot of fun and I thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us today. I really appreciate it. And I thank you as well to the audience for listening and wish you all the best in the coming year.
1: Thanks a lot, Jim. It's been a pleasure.
0: Likewise. Our guest today was Aaron Stiles, CEO of Environmental Systems Corporation in Barrie, Ontario. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you enjoyed it, please spread the word by telling someone about the NGB Ideas podcast or post about it on social media. If you'd like to contact the team, our email address is contact at ngbideas.com. You can follow us on Twitter at NGB Ideas, and you can follow me at LabOccupier on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. This episode was produced and edited by Tisha Prasad. I'm Jim Wilson, and you've been listening to the NGB Ideas podcast. Thanks so much for joining us.